Welcome back, everybody, to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsports. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. Andy continues his vacation. Apparently, he's having fun ziplining around. There's a pretty silly picture of Andy. Maybe I'll share it with Dan. Probably not with the rest of the world, unless Andy wants to. So, joining me today to help talk a little NBA and a lot of tennis, an old friend of mine, which actually isn't a joke about his age, which is, I'm sure, a little surprising, <laughs> Mr. Spread Astaire. How are we doing? How are things on the other side of the country? I'm doing great, and normally I'd say I have some big shoes to fill, but but after seeing Andy's photo, I got some big shorts to fill, big chair to fill. I mean, what great vacation photos we're getting, so hopefully we can uh, convince him to share those with the world. It's just great to see that Andy's out there having fun and relaxed. I'm sure he'll be nice and sharp upon return, but also returning shortly. It's coming sooner than we think, Spread. It's like a, less than six weeks, I think, until we have NBA action, right? Yeah. I'm excited. It's the best. Middle of October. Um, talked about a win total yesterday. I don't know if you saw. I'm bullish on Chicago. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I was playing devil's advocate in our conversation, but I do think that was one of the few ones that's completely mispriced. Uh, the the uh, regular season win total I saw was 44, correct? It's only uh, a yeah. half game higher than, than the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I like the Cavaliers, and I, and I expect both those teams to go over. Um, but coming off the season they had last year, uh, and I was really kind of hard, you know, fighting hard and thinking hard uh, to come up with reasons to go against the Chicago team. Now, do we like them as a playoff team? No, because I do think that the defensive issues and their lack of rim protection is going to come back to haunt them in the playoffs. But as we know, regular season basketball and playoff basketball are completely two different animals and their ability to score. I love DeRozan's ability to get those half court buckets towards the end of the uh, end of the game. Uh, meant so much to the team last year rather than having Levine, who I think is a great player, but sometimes his shot selection with the game on the line wasn't the same. I feel like he's a learning a lot from DeRozan that, hey, we don't you can get the highlights in the third quarter, right? Let's get the high percentage shot at the end of the game. I really like that Bulls regular season win total, and I'm with you there on the over 44. I guess the only thing I'll say is I'm, I'm maybe a little more optimistic about them in the postseason if Lonzo and Caruso can be healthy. To have kind of two defensive guards like that now might be asking a lot and kind of a high-end scenario. But you had a couple win totals for us, and I had one, and these are not nearly as optimistic. So <laughs> let's jump into those to get started. Your first one, and this always makes me happy as a Philadelphia 76ers fan, the New York Knickerbockers, under 39 and a half. So you don't think they're getting Donovan Mitchell or you just don't care? That, that's my thing here. Doesn't this number, isn't it already baked in that he's on the team? How are they 39 and a half with the current roster? So I think a lot of people thought last year was a pretty down year, right? They basically take the same team in that was a, a playoff team. Everything kind of goes wrong for them. I think the market generally underrates the deteriorating effect of Thibodeau. We know how much worse those teams get over time. They're sick of his message and they for some reason people are really excited about Brunson. I mean, you're right. I haven't had a chance to go through that team specifically because I was waiting to see what shakes out. But yeah, total thirty nine and a half. Um, looking at last year, what did they win last year? It wasn't even close to that. Number. I'm sorry, it was only thirty seven last year. So you know, I, I guess a three game improvement. I thought too outlandish, but. I think you wait, honestly. I think if they do trade for Mitchell, it, it jumps up, right? Everybody goes in and clicks over just blindly, maybe. I guess. So my first argument would be, I don't think last year was a down year. I think the season before was an up year. <laughs> Look at the last 10 years, right? Where's the outlier? Yeah. It's not last year. Last year seems to be what they've been doing for almost my whole adult life, right? <laughs> since <laughs> since Latrell Sprewell and, and those guys played on that team. Um, 
if they do get Donovan Mitchell, they're going to they're gonna sacrifice a lot of depth, most likely, just to make the salaries work. So even if those aren't key players, you're losing depth. And we talked about it before, you know, and when I was playing devil's advocate for the Bulls, most of these teams, except for the other team that's on the sheet there, got better. <laughs> I mean, even the Orlando Magic are better. Now, uh, you know, are the Orlando Magic going to make the playoffs? In my mind, no. But are they going to be a more competitive team? Yes, I think so. I think the Cavaliers are a lot better. Um, the Bulls haven't regressed. I think the Raptors are going to be a lot better. I think it's safe to say the 76ers are going to be better. Um, even if the Celtics aren't better, they're going to be just as good. Milwaukee's still good. I mean, this East, you know, you, the West used to be the juggernaut here. I think there's more depth in the East right now, and I think that doesn't bode well for the Knicks. I like this under 39 and a half, whether or not they get Mitchell, because like I said, even if they do get Mitchell, now you have these two scoring guards that don't really defend that well, although Mitchell used to be a good defender. Maybe he gets back to it. Um, but it, they're, you're either going to get Mitchell and, and not be as good defensively and lose some depth, or you're not going to have him. And I just don't see how this roster gets there. No, I'm with you. I like this under quite a bit. Just pushing back a little just to see. And I'm going to wait. Again, I haven't gone through and totally finished my projection, so I'm waiting anyway. But curious to see if maybe this ticks up over the next day or so to 40, even 41, given how optimistic people are there. And, I mean, on the other side of it, give me the jazz under. I, that's one that I really want to grab now because whether they have Donovan Mitchell or not, I think this team is going to be really bad. I think we're looking at an even sadder version of what happened to Portland last year. Um, just a really weird situation, that front office with the way Quinn Snyder left, moving Rudy Gobert as quickly as they did, you know, a good deal. We just saw the move Pat Beverly for a younger player. It, it seems like the teardown is on and, I think Donovan Mitchell, even if he is in town, is not going to be happy. And I wonder if they kind of put him on ice a little bit, like we've seen teams do with some of these stars. So under 30, I think this number is only getting lower. And as I look at it, they seem like a, a low, a mid to low 20s team to me. I hope I'm going to hope at some point books release something like worst record odds. What do you think of the Jazz? So I'm assuming when you're putting this up and kind of the way that I was going here too, you think that the Mitchell the Knicks is happening? Yes, I lean. I lean towards Mitchell going somewhere, but at the same time, I kind of don't care. Like that's just gravy. That's a nice big sweet cherry on top. If he does trade, I mean, you got to drop that number down to twenty-five, right? Unless they get, because I assume if they're trading him, it's going to be for picks. I mean, you're not going for a win now guy. You're not going to get some veteran guys. I mean, maybe there's some filler there that can help you win a game or two. But it seems like. Yeah, this has a real chance to be one of the worst teams. And, and looking at this draft, is Danny Hange going to do it again here? You know, bottom out at just the right time in, in one of the best drafts we've seen in the last four or five years? Exactly. It's It, it would make a ton of sense for them to try to do what they're kind of doing. And, um, oh, God, it, it's just a mess, this team. And it's, again, it looks like a low 20 win team anyway. And again, Mitchell maybe gives them a little bit of upside. They kind of have a tough schedule. There's a lot of stuff in there, but they still have the Utah home advantage. It's just, and I wonder how many wins they'll get this year just because teams think, know they're bad and, and kind of forget how that goes. But I'm going way under, and I think you got to go now. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think that they're going to see how much Rudy meant to that defense. And I understand Rudy does have his playoff liabilities. But, boy, I think that guy adds so many regular season wins. In fact, one of the ones I was looking at that I didn't send over, though, uh, that I kind of like is that Timberwolves over. I think this Rudy Gobert makes your team just this re regular season juggernaut um, that, that you're not getting otherwise. So um, same deal. I think that, that Gobert for these regular season win totals, he adds a lot to the Timberwolves and takes away from the Jazz. 
And then there was one more that was up there, but we'll talk about it. The Washington Wizards under. Um, I agree. I, I look at this team. Yes, last year was bad. There was a bunch of injuries, but they didn't really do much to get markedly better, did they? No, and boy, I mean, I get upset about how my favorite team, the Sacramento Kings, is run. I mean, what are they doing in Washington? I don't like giving guards that are over 30 those extensions, right? And Chris Paul's great. But to me, he's like this outlier that you're getting all these expectations. For most of my life, when guards and cornerbacks have turned 30, they're just done. <laughs> Running backs, right? I mean, these positions that are based on being the absolute quickest player uh, on the field or on the floor never bodes well. And I understand Beal's a great shooter, and he's not going to be, you know, absolutely terrible, and he's going to will them to wins on certain nights. But I think it's going to get worse and worse uh, as each season progresses. I can't believe that they went back in. We just talked about the Jazz and Danny Ainge gunning to rebuild their team off this absolutely loaded draft. I don't understand why Washington isn't trying to do this. Um, Porzingis is great for the, what, 37 games that he's going to play. Um, you know, Kyle Kuzma is a fine role player. I think some of that has to do with usage. And they have a bunch of players that, let's be honest, if you traded them off, I think they would help other teams, right? They, they, they have a lot of wings. They seem like they can help contenders. I don't understand why they're not tearing this down. As the team is currently constructed, I don't like it at all. Um, and, and I don't trust Beal or Porzingis to stay healthy for, you know, more than 60 games. I'll be surprised to see how many games we get together. You know, I'm fine fading the Wizards almost every single year until they seem to have some sort of semblance of a plan on how to build the team. Uh, makes perfect sense to me. I, I think uh, the market, again, overreacting to Porzingis and kind of the whole um, situation there. Um, yeah, Kyle was talking about it. If Donovan Mitchell's on the team till February, I think we'll be fine. Halt, Jazz, Alt under, 26 and a half spread, plus 250. I, I think I can funk with that. Yeah, I definitely like that. And uh, like you said, you said like Mitchell's out the door, huh? Miami's the other team that that's in. I'll be honest, I don't follow trade rumors too much. They don't help me win bets. You know, I mean, I didn't follow the whole Kevin Durant saga, and guess what? It's the exact same as it was, right? And I skipped five podcasts and 15 articles I, I could have read about where Kevin Durant could have gone that ultimately didn't matter. So I don't follow the trade rumors as much. I just kind of check at training camp and see what's going on. I know that there's that segment, right, that they call transaction Twitter that just loves to do these things, right? And I think you're pretty good with the trade machine too, but I'm not Love as up machine. on it. So I don't know where he'll end up, but – uh, to me, it seems this West is more loaded than ever. You, you have teams like my favorite team, the Sacramento Kings, trying to win now in almost an impossible circumstance. I like what Utah's doing, and it makes sense to get as many draft picks you can uh, for Donovan Mitchell and look towards the future. Uh, it makes perfect sense to me. It's it's going to be a tough year for all these teams that we talked about, and good for you, Hulk. We'll see. I'll be there on the Jazz. You got it at 32 and a half. I like that quite a bit. Oh, yeah. um, let's get into some tennis, though. U.S. Open. Talked about some outrights myself earlier. Let's jump in, um, see what you got for the people here. I know that you always see these things a little bit differently because you're out watching a lot more tennis than I am. Um, we'll start, I think, with the ATP outrights that we have here up first. Um, talk me through it. What do we got here? Fritz, Herkaz? Yeah, so, of course, you need to have a little Medvedev in your portfolio, right? I mean, um, with Novak coming out today, boy, what a surprise. I mean, why were they even listing that number? Was that – I mean – I understand when Bitcoin was was soaring through the roof, you wanted to hold the money for a little while, but it was kind of silly. Everyone seemed to know that he wasn't going to play. Uh, Medvedev won last year. He should be the rightful favorite. 
Um, so, you know, you put a little Medvedev in, in your portfolio and then you've done the same exact thing. Now you take a couple long shots that you could hopefully uh, hedge upon right here. So I went with Taylor Fritz, uh, who's having, you know, one, the best season of his career. And, and one thing that I really look to, and I know it's a while ago, but the win in Indian Wells, I think those courts play similarly. And so with Taylor Fritz able to get it done there, um, you know, I guess he does like the, the slower, higher bouncing courts. It just works really well for him here. 25 to one. I got to take a shot. And, and then Hercax is the same number, right? 50 to one. Do I have worries about his, his mental fortitude? Yes, I do. It seems to be the last missing piece of his game. But I'm not betting it at five to one. It's 50 to one, right? So I can start to look at hedge opportunities, quarterfinals, semifinals uh, very early. And it's just two two men's players. We know how the ATP tour is, right? It's just serve bot your way through these things. These guys are both holding uh, around 90%. That's going to play so well here at, at the slower U.S. Open where these guys can dial up serves that even on the slowest surfaces are unreturnable. So, um, of course, start your portfolio with Medvedev. My two long shots are Frit and Fritz and Hercax, and I see you have a couple that, I'll be honest, that guy Borna Cork, he cost me a lot last week. I went against him every match. I guess it's safe to say that he's back. What, what are you seeing there? Let me hear about your two. I just really love the way both of these guys are playing tennis. And this is the kind of tournament where if you can come in hot at this time of the year, I mean, Chorich was one of the more talented players before getting hurt. It seems like he's kind of back to close to where he was. His serves even better. And then we know every year, it does, I guess everybody but Nick Kyrgios knows this, PCB comes into this tournament and makes a deep run. He's been in the semifinals <laughs> twice here. He's coming off a tournament win in Canada. Uh, these are big numbers, so I'm happy to take both. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't argue with either. You know, when you get to these huge numbers, it's kind of hard to make arguments against. You know, like PCB at eight, eight plus, plus eight thousand. Same deal. I mean, you can just start hedging so early on these, and I don't think it's that crazy for him to make a run. Of course, these might look silly if we're talking about these tomorrow and we see the draw, right? And, and there's some minefields, but that's also um, the edge of getting in early because let's say PCB gets just a cakewalk draw his number is going to drop in half. So uh, I don't, some people like to wait for the draw. I, I don't mind getting an early out here and, and just get a little extra gamble, right? Get a little spin of the roulette wheel, right? You know, a little, little bit of blackjack. Let's see how it turns out. You get these numbers early and then you just hope for a good draw. And then because we talked about men's, we got to talk about women's tennis because it's mostly all I care about anyway. You just yeah. had one outright to add. I talked about three earlier this week, Pagula, Kudermatova, and Zeng Quinn Yen. I mean, Love Pagula. This is a great spot for her and a great time of year. Kudamatova, I think, is built perfectly for these courts. And although she's lost her last two times in the first round, you go back and look spread to two very good players in three mm -hmm. sets. And I just think the world is Zang. So at some point, these numbers are going to be much lower. I'm just going to keep hitting this. But you've got the young American. You think she can handle all the pressure? Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I love this bet just for the storyline purposes, right? Because what's every gonna be, everybody been talking about? It's Serena Williams' last tournament, right? And, and I know people are going, oh, Serena didn't go out on top. Okay, she, she's not going out on top, right? <laughs> she, she She's one in four this year. The only person she beat is Nuria Prez-Diaz, who is a clay quarter through and through, right? But how about this storyline that ESPN gets to pump? The passing of the torch, right? And, and um, while, while I don't necessarily say that, you know, as a narrative, I'm looking at 14 to one. I believe the reason that we're getting this number is because of that sprained ankle. I don't. I think she would have been the same, or, or a little bit less, 
um, than Simona Halep, who's currently at seven and a half or eight to one, depending on where you shop. And I think that that's about proper here. Um, so I feel like I'm getting some value because she did roll that ankle in the last tournament and her health is unknown. But just look at the things necessary for success here at the U.S. Open. It plays so much slower um, than the first slam of the year, the Australian Open. Who is that really going to help? The movers like Simona Halep and Coco Goff. And if I were to argue court coverage, I think those two are a tier above everybody else. You watch some of these women, like, for, for example, the two that you chose. Um, when they play a player like Goff or Halep, they get so frustrated because shots that there would be winners against 90-something percent of the tour are coming back to them. <laughs> and sometimes they're coming back with depth and not even giving them court position to keep going. And I think that can be really frustrating. I think it plays really well. Um, a, a lot of people talk about Coco Goff's uh, second serve, and, and rightfully so, the double faults are an issue. It's still better than doing what, what Daria Kasakina does and just, just powder puffing every second serve at 60 miles an hour and letting your opponent tee off almost just like a put-away drill. Um, so I'd rather her be more aggressive. And that first serve now is up there. I mean, she's getting up to 120 miles an hour. She, she Every single time, she just comes back better and better. Um, and, and I really think that, you know, if you do believe in conspiracies and we talked about the draw that, that's handy behind closed doors, I mean, would it be that surprising if, we, you know, it comes out tonight or tomorrow and she really has a nice run here to the finals? Because um, I think that, you know, uh, people would be very happy about that. It, it makes sense to me. But, but most of all, this is a play just on uh, her court coverage, increased serve, ability to hold, and then, of course, break. So, um, you know, it's between her and Halep, but I'm getting an extra plus 600 here. G give me Coco Goff here, um, you know, and then you, so we said you have to have a, a Medvedev in your portfolio. Right. And I believe that on the men's, I think you can get away with not putting Iga in there, even though I do feel like she, she should be favored to win. And those quicker courts that we saw her like in Cincinnati, it's not really going to show how she's going to play here. Still, I'm kind of fine staying away from her. Um, you know, how, how much is she going to be like Rafa where the clay court dominance is just ridiculous. And then, you know, kind of inconsistent on the other services. Are you fine staying away from an Ega bet here? Oh, absolutely. I, that's part of the reason I like betting some of these bigger numbers and why I think you try to uh, bet this tournament specifically from an outright perspective. And it's not that she's capable of overcoming past poor, for, past poor performance, but she's really struggled in North America in the second half of the season. We've seen it two, three seasons in a row now. She didn't look fantastic in Cincinnati or, or um, Toronto, so I I'm happy to go against her. I, I think well, well let's right. lose, use the Nadal aside. comparison again. When you never lose a match on clay, you put a lot of tennis on your body during that mid-portion of the season. That's a lot. She never loses. And those are two, three-hour matches. She likes to sit there and set up the ball, wait for a shot, and, and then when she gets a sh shot, put it away, right? She's, she's very patient, right? But that style of play grinds you down, which is why I think that you're seeing the, her level of play kind of dip as the year continues, not to mention the increased media scrutiny. And, of course, most of it's positive. But still, this is time-consuming. It's taxing. Uh, even if it's all great stuff, right? Show up to a party and have everyone tell you how great you are. It's still not time that you're resting, not time that you're working on your game. So while I feel like a Medvedev is kind of a must as an anchor in your portfolio, and I, I, mean, I would not be surprised if Sviantec did win this tournament because just tennis-wise, she is head and shoulders above the rest of the field. I'm kind of fine ignoring her here 
um, because I don't think that her, because she's about plus 252, right? I don't think that her plus 250 is anywhere near as likely as the Medvedev plus 250. Yeah, she's actually drifted out just above three to one, but I would need four or five to one to even consider it. It's just, she looks, again, like you said, it's really tough getting through that season. The fatigue seems to be building up, and you just look at the losses. She got Maddie slammed. That happens to everybody, but that was really kind of rough, and then to blow the match against Haddad Mai was really odd. So we'll see. I mean, if she comes out and starts hot, the draw really opens up for her maybe, but I'm not expecting her to make a long run. You know the name that I almost sent you that I just couldn't do it? At 30 to 1, owns Jabor. It's 30 to 1, right? But at the end of the day, I just can't. I think her brain's her. broken. Same thing. It's just, I, I just can't see her winning in those semifinals and the finals just yet. And of course, she may break through eventually, right? Because if we were doing the show in 2017, we'd be saying the same thing about Simona Halep. Um, so it's not crazy that, that she would break through, but until she does, I'm staying away from those. I just, oh man, it was so tempting though. Um, for a player of her talent and her caliber to be at 30 to one, you look at the names around her. I mean, she just has such a better shot than the rest of them, but I still couldn't do it. All right, let's jump into some picks for today. You've got a total here in the men's side for us. The boys are in Winston Salem. What do you see in here on the Cressy Manorino over? I mean, to me, I love betting Cressy overs. The guy holds at about 89% and breaks it. Like, it's up to 14% now. It was 12% at the beginning of the hardcore season. So, getting a little better there, right? But, I mean, um, you know, Nick Kyrgios is the one most famous for it. But some of these other guys are pretty close. And I'm not saying that he doesn't try uh, on his return game. But he just simply isn't very good at the return serve. Then you contrast that to the excellent serve. And you know what's so funny for a grinder – um, that we consider to be Manorino. His whole break is actually pretty serve dominant too. He's above 80% on hold and he's right around 20% on return, which, you know, is fine, but it's definitely not elite. Like it's so funny watching him play. I would think that he would break so much more. And I didn't think that his serve was as good as it is. So um, I think that's sneaky there because we think of Manorino as this grinder and this guy that likes to put the ball in play and has a great chance in every return game. Uh, but the stats don't back it up. So um, basically just going off numbers and the fact that Cressy just seems to hold every game and, and never get breaks. Uh, I always like betting overs in Cressy matches. I like that quite a bit. Um, there's even a, a 23 floating around there. So look at the over there. You've got us covered on the men's side. I've got a handful of stuff on the women's side. Um, continue to play in Cleveland. We'll start there. Um, Shui Zhang, um, continue to bet her. She continues to win matches. Um, got a walkover yesterday, so comes in with some fresh legs against Alizé Corday. Has had success against her. Um, you know, similar players when you take a, a look from kind of too far back in terms of being tour veterans and having certain times of year that they pop. In general, Zhang looks like the much better player to me. Now, Cornet is solid, and the difference isn't terribly huge. I'd have Zhang maybe minus 125, minus 130 here. So plus 105, I'm sorry, plus 100, even minus 105 or better looks pretty good. Uh, just continue to play well. I, this looks like a tournament uh, she could honestly push her way through the final. So we'll continue to bet her as she's done well all week. And Granby up in Canada, Marta Let Costa. me jump in on the Zhang real quick. Oh, yeah, so they're three and three against each other. They know each other well. Um, you say they're similar players. I think the one thing that's different is – Cornet is much less consistent, and you can see that even in her attitude on court. Um, it's fun to watch. She's real demonstrative with her emotions, uh, but she can also just hit these valleys. And I trust Zhang, I think, to be more consistent at this point. And I also trust Zhang 
to want to win this tournament a, a little more. I think Cornet's done really well in each of the Grand Slams this year. This has been one of her best Grand Slam performances in the last five years, and good for her because she's getting some money right before uh, you know she heads off into retirement. But I agree with you there on Zhang. They know each other well. I just trust Zhang's consistency more. That makes a ton of sense. Marta Kostiuk and Granby, a young power player who I think is going to have possibly a really nice U.S. Open. Excited to see where she gets put in the draw when she makes it there. Goes up against Rebecca Marino. Now, this is taking a little bit of money. I was able to scoop minus 130. Looks like it's headed out to minus 140. Poke around. I'm going to draw the line here right around minus 135. Minus 140 is poor, is might be okay, but it's it's close. Uh, just the much better player in this match. And I think the market is a little behind given that we haven't seen her. Again, if you go back and look, Marina's been winning matches, but against much lesser competition, I think the matchup here really favors Kostiuk. I'm not sure what Marino can do better than her. So if Marta comes out and plays her game, this looks like a pretty solid win. What do you think? I agree. The only thing that I'd say that Marino can do better, she's got a great first serve. Um, and, and when it's on, she can be tough to beat. But I think that you got a discount off that match timeout that cost you took yesterday with the shoulder. I think that puts some concern around her. And we know that a lot of people do like betting these dogs at home. And, right? and the idea that while Cornet is a player that I think might be looking ahead to the Grand Slam, I think Marino's got her eyes set and focused on this tournament. So I can understand why people like her. Um, but you take those two factors out, and it's really hard to argue how uh, Marino's going to hang. I think the Costi's ground strokes are so much better. Um, the only, you know, the other issue is she can be a, a little bit inconsistent and she does give up w when things aren't going well. So uh, I understand why they're trying to price it here, but I still think we got a, a discount. Um, and, and I think that Costi should win this thing fairly easily. I'm not really that high on, on Rebecca Marino overall. Um, and I do think that Costi can end up being uh, a top. I don't know, 30 player, maybe even top 20 if she gets her things together. Absolutely. U.S. Open qualifiers. We'll start with Wang Jiang. Two bets here actually on the same match. Um, Wang Jiang minus five games and give me the under 20 here. Um, Wang basically struggling with the fact that she missed most of last year and just doesn't quite have the ranking points to be in this tournament. And again, I think the market continues to be a little behind on that, given her ranking, given the little bit of tennis she's played. Um, continues to build herself in form, made that semifinal in Prague, beating some very solid players, liked what she did in the lower event and conquered there. And it's just the much better player here. And as we know, Spread, when she wins, it's by a lot. Um, thought about just taking the under here, wasn't sure which to do. So give me both. Give me Wang Xiang minus five games and under 20. She can cover the minus five in three sets, but I think she does easily in two. What do you think? Yeah, she's a player that really likes the surface here. Uh, at the U.S. Open, the extra time really allows her to set up her ground strokes. And then when she does set up, she has the power to hit through her opponents, even on the slower courts. Um, and she's pretty quick on her court coverage as well. So, um, hey, you saw Habina live. I told you, you know, we were talking about this beforehand. I don't think I've watched her play in a long time. But um, you know what that says to me? <laughs> she hasn't been in a lot of tournaments, uh, you know, past the first round, you know, when I would but have a chance to flip through and see her. So uh, I, I really like that play here. Um, and, and Wong's one of my favorite players. I hope she gets back on track here uh, before things get away from her. And then finally, Katie Bolter goes against Ashlyn Kruger. You guys know I'm not afraid to parlay stuff, but I didn't couldn't really find a partner here for Bolter at minus 250. Might try to do something again with that later. But as I look through the board, this price at minus 250, 
minus two, I'm sorry, minus one and a half sets or her winning 2-0 at plus 100 looked really good to me. I had this closer to minus 125, almost minus 130. Bolter having a really nice season, um, has taken her success from grass and extended it onto hard court here a little bit, um, playing some great tennis against these qualifiers and just really should outmatch Kruger who, you know, I, I, a younger player than her, um, trying to move her way up the rankings, doesn't really have a lot of wins against players of her level. Is generally playing, you know, against people in the 200s and higher. So I just think Bolter not only outclasses her, but is just playing some better tennis later and should take care of business today. The spread of minus four, go ahead. You can lay that if you want. Just really like the minus one and a half sets of plus 100. That looked much better to me. Yeah, Kruger's another player that I haven't watched a lot play. Wanna know why? Because she's usually in ITF tournaments. <laughs> she's not in these tournaments that come up on, on my tennis channel plus. And it, she's a fine young player, but I don't know if she's ever really going to even make, um, you know, the WTA tour on a regular basis. She doesn't do anything that really stands out. Um, you know, she's just a, a fine tennis player, but Bolter should be able to get this win pretty easily. So we'll see how that one turns out for us. Beautiful. Thanks, Brett, for joining us. Check him out. It's Brett Astaire on Twitter, um, doing all the great stuff with Run Peer. He does the Wagering World show with our buddy Five Star there. Just tons of great stuff. Anything I missed? No, that's it, man. I'm having a lot of fun writing for Bookmakers Review. We do uh, NFL and NBA shows over on the Run Peer Sports channel, and I've been doing the Wagering World, uh, which is a fun show, too. So uh, plenty of time to do this content. You know, we're doing the NFL previews right now. Uh, which I was kind of lamenting. It's kind of hard to get away from the, the common ideas because the NFL market is so sharp, you know, and I, I go into these things and I want to be contrarian and I want to say something different, but it's to the point where you have to be disingenuous because uh, th this is one of the sharpest markets in the world. Uh, so yeah, we're having a lot of fun pumping out this content and I appreciate you having me on today. Absolutely. Thanks for watching everybody. Great job in the comments. I will not be here tomorrow. Andy will not be here tomorrow. We're going to let Matt and Dan come on. They're going to do a college football blowout. Who knows? But I'll see you early next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.